You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox and appreciate you joining me today. It is Thursday, November 12th, recording this on a Wednesday morning, actually, as I got the chance to speak with Keenan Cummings, who covers West Virginia for the Rivals Network. We talked about a number of things, uh, one of them being that this is a really important game for both these teams. As far as you know, finishing with a winning record, finishing the season strong, uh, both these teams obviously want to do that, and it's going to be tough with the remaining games on the schedule. So this is a, a pivotal kind of swing game. West Virginia is a three-point favorite as of uh, – Wednesday when I checked earlier um, the Mountaineers are undefeated at home which is interesting because it's not the same atmosphere as usual obviously as you'd see in Morgantown so I asked Keenan about that we also get into what's the status of running back Letty Brown as he gets ready for Saturday's game he's banged up and they're hoping that he'll play uh, I saw some reports that he's officially been ruled out but Keenan says that that's not quite true they're still optimistic that he might get on the field so he clears up exactly where he's at and how much of an impact there is if he can't go we get into all that we're going to do part one of the interview in segment one and then we'll do part two in segment two here's part one of my conversation with Keenan Cummings who covers West Virginia for the Rivals Network Welcome back to Locked on Horn Frogs. I'm here with Keenan Cummings. You can find him on Twitter at Rivals Keenan. He does a good job covering uh, West Virginia, and he's kind enough to join me in the middle of a, a hectic few weeks. He's got a, a remodel in the house going on. He's had a lot happening, so I'm sure he's excited for Saturday to see the Mountaineers back in action. And Keenan, first off, I just wanted to ask you, you know, West Virginia is one of those places that the atmosphere is so great for game day, and obviously, understandably, it's been very different this year. But they've still had success at home. How different is it being at the stadium on game days? And I guess it really hasn't affected the team too much as they've been still able to find ways to uh, to protect their field. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, if you've ever been to Morgantown, you know what game day is like here. I mean, 60,000 fans sold out just about every game, people going crazy, tailgating scenes, you name it. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the venues that people really don't talk about enough in college football. I mean, it's one of those things that if you haven't been here, I recommend you do it, especially in the fall. It's beautiful with all the seasons changing and everything, but you look at it now, it's different. It's weird. I mean, I've covered every game at home and, you know, it was incredibly weird with no fans. I mean, it was just strange. Uh, Now you have a little bit of fans trickled out of the stadium, but I think a lot of that with West Virginia's success comes back to kind of a young team and their familiarity at home. They just kind of feed off, being at home, playing at home, and they've played very, very well inside Mountaineer Field. I mean, they they have they they demolished Kansas State in their last home game, and they let one get away on the road at Texas. But this is a young team still growing. But you compare it to last year, they've been they've been in every football game they've played this year, which you don't get moral victories, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. What's the status of uh, running back Letty Brown, and how much does the offense change if, if he can't go? That's an interesting question because right right now there's really no answer. Uh, they're they're optimistic. Uh, they're going to kind of manage him throughout practice. They're hoping he'll play. If he doesn't play, I think Western could see kind of a full-blown committee. Will it change the offense? Absolutely. I think only because Letty Brown's the most talented guy they have. You look at what he's done this year, 
he already has more 100-yard games this year than West Virginia had as a team last year. He has more touchdowns than West Virginia had as a team last year. He almost has more rushing yards uh, through seven games as West Virginia had as a team last year. So he's a guy that he's incredible after contact. Almost half of his yards have come after contact this year. And they don't have another running back on the roster that's really ready to do that yet. I mean, Letty Brown didn't do that last year. It takes time, and uh, they don't have one. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix and match the other the other youngsters if he can't play. I didn't know much about Neil Brown before he took this job. I knew he had done a nice job at Troy, and like people that covered the sport closely were really excited about him getting an opportunity at a, a, a bigger program and a bigger school. In, in year two, it seems like this team – has an identity like they're tough they're well coached they don't really make big mistakes how is the uh the neil brown era going so far with with the fan base are they optimistic and excited about um the future under his direction yeah i think it's coming together it's it's not as fast as some people would like but that's the case with any program you're always going to have some fans that you know want things to kind of happen immediately but he really was dealt kind of the short end of the stick you know he took over this program and Dana had a senior-laden team in 2018, you know, and most of those guys were gone. You know, some of the some of the key juniors were gone. So he's built this thing kind of from the ground up. Um, they're they're kind of getting it in the direction they want to go. They're not quite there yet, but he he talked about it this week. They like the way that they're showing improvement. And uh, again, you, you can't hang your hat on moral victories, but this team has had a chance every game this season. They've been within a touchdown, four minutes left. So this team could easily be seven and zero, six and one, but they're not. They're four and three. That's the reality, and that's kind of a young team growing up in college football. The Texas game, I'm sure that had to be frustrating. They had so many chances deep in in Longhorn territory and couldn't punch it in. Are those red zone issues? Has that been a consistent problem? Was that just sort of a one off issue, um, a matchup problem against the Horns on Saturday? That's the wild thing about it. That was one of the biggest issues for West Virginia last year. They put a lot of focus on it. You know, coming into that game, they were 25 for 26 in the red zone on the season. And the only one they didn't score on was kind of a, you know, end of the game type deal where you're going for it just to not run up the score. Uh, they had scored 80% touchdowns. You know, 80%, 20 of those 25 had been touchdowns. And then they just, they kind of their strength was their undoing against Texas. They just weren't able to get anything going. They had plays. Um, Neil liked what they had called. They just didn't connect on it. Uh, it, it was kind of the, one of those rare situations where, you know, the margin for error is so small down there, and pretty much everything kept going Texas's way, which really hurt West Virginia. Obviously, that cost them the ball game. In part two of this interview, we talk about the West Virginia defensive line, how good they are, the Stills brothers, the tough matchup that that's going to be for TCU. I also ask him how West Virginia matches up against the run game because we've seen that TCU has really relied on that the past couple of weeks in their victories over Texas Tech and Baylor. And we discuss how important this game is for West Virginia team that's trying to uh, end the year with a winning record under Neil Brown in year two of his tenure. That's all coming up on Locked on Horn Frogs. Before we continue here, you guys know I want to talk to you about Coors Light, one of my favorite drinks. It's cold lagered, it's cold brewed, and Coors Light's the drink that's made to chill. So when you get a chance to uh, hang out at the house, maybe this weekend, I mean, it's Thursday. We're coming up on that TCU game. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kick against West Virginia. And when you sit down to watch that, why don't you grab a cold Coors Light? Coors Light is made for watching sports. They understand that you're always on the go. And when you get that chance to unwind and relax, you want a cold drink in your hand. 
Um, and you should make that drink a Coors Light. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. When you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. And you can get Coors Light sent straight to your door. It's got a new look and get it delivered at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Please always remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's also talk about Built Go. The, the same company that brings you delicious built bars brings a, a short energy, a small energy solution that can help you get through the day. It's a one and a half ounce energy solution. It comes in a diff- couple different flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. And as I said, it's very convenient because you can just sort of carry it wherever you go. It's a workout gel that you can put in your bag. You can put uh, in your briefcase as you head to work. And I've been troubled. I've had trouble getting to sleep lately and staying asleep. I got two small kids that wake up usually once or twice a night. So Built Go has been great for me. It combines uh, energy gel with uh, a protein. So it gives you some protein that's fast absorbing. It gets into your system and it's easy on the stomach. It's uh, built with good stuff like B3 honey and it's got a kick of caffeine in it. And if you go to BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, you can get 20% off your next order. So go to BuiltGo.com, use that promo code LOCKED and get 20% off your next order today. Again, that's BuiltGo.com. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Don't forget to please subscribe, rate, review me on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe also on Spotify. Um, wherever it is you get your podcast, you can just make it a point to go ahead and follow the show, and then it gets sent directly to your phone every time I post a new episode, which I try to do every single morning around 6 a.m. And I get it up on Twitter, at Simcox Stevens, my personal Twitter page, and at Locked on TCU is my show Twitter page. I've been getting that up on Twitter uh, later in the mornings lately, usually around 8.30 or 9, just because uh, I take my kids to school and I can't always get the show up on social media and get them dressed. They usually refuse to uh, to dress themselves, unfortunately. The joys of having uh, two toddlers in, in your home and trying to get them up and ready for the day. But um, I, I generally get that up every single morning on Twitter as well, so that's a good place to find it. And let your friends know about it. Uh, sort of new to this, just kind of getting it started so would love to get some more people involved and i'm happy to listen to any feedback you have as well in segment one we discussed uh, the west virginia game with keenan Cummings, who covers west virginia for the rivals network in this segment i'll play part two of that interview we get into this west virginia defensive line um how they fare against the running game and some more topics here's part two of my conversation with keenan cummings Gary Patterson, listening to him this week in the teleconference and the press conference, he's brought up this West Virginia defensive line a lot. Um, obviously, the Stills brothers are, are great players. Is that D-line sort of what stirs the drink for this defense and, and sets the tone for them? Yeah, it, it's it's really, really good. Uh, it's probably the best one, since, at least since West Virginia has been in the Big 12. Probably the best for West Virginia. 2010 might be the last time West Virginia's had a defensive line this good, and that had Bruce Irvin and Chris Neal, some legendary West Virginia players. So they're good. Uh, and not only the first three guys, you know, they can bring guys off the bench. Key Mesidor, true freshman, has been absolutely dynamite for them. And they have some depth there, too. So it all starts up front. And West Virginia asks their, ask their guys to be aggressive. You know, they don't sit there and control a gap. They, they try to get upfield, cause havoc. And they've been very successful at it. Stills. Uh, if you watch him play, he commands so much attention every snap. It really kind of frees things up for everybody else. 
sitting at four and three, Keenan, uh, is this maybe the most critical game of the year for the, for the Mountaineers? I mean, you still have Oklahoma and Iowa State, and obviously the way they play, those are games that they can win. They're probably not going to be favored in them, though. So how important is this one to, to get that record to five and three and, and secure that at least you're going to have you know, a winning season potentially? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, when I, people ask me at the starting of the year, because there's just so much uncertainty, as you know, coming into this year. You didn't know really what mm-hmm. football was going to be look like. You know, you didn't know what teams were going to look like. I thought if West Virginia got six wins this year, that would be an absolute home run in a shortened season. Five, you can live with that. That's progress. Uh, I know five and seven last year, which played 12 games. You go five and five, you feel pretty good about yourself with the schedule you had. So, I think they got to win this one. Uh, West, West Virginia's got to find a way to beat TCU, which is going to be tough because, as you very well know, the Horn Frogs are playing, playing their best football of the season right now. And I wanted to ask you about this TCU offense has sort of changed things up the last few weeks. And I've talked a lot about it on the podcast. I don't know if, you know, there's something going on with Max Duggan. There hasn't been anything said, but they're not really throwing the ball a lot. Um, they've been running it 40 to 50 times a game. How does West Virginia match up against a team that wants to, you know, pound the rock and use a bunch of running backs, even use the quarterback in the running game? Very good so far. Um, They've had, whenever they've gotten beat on the run, it's been usually a linebacker misfitting things, and they've popped a couple big ones. It happened against Oklahoma State, really ended up costing them the game. It happened uh, a couple times against Texas Tech, but other than that, they've been very stout. Um, they've, they've done well against running quarterbacks. Uh, the only one that's really dinged them a little bit was Henry Columbia, and none of that was designed. It was all kind of him scrambling around, doing things for Texas Tech on pass plays. So they kept Sam, Sam Ellinger in, tech, in check last week, and I, I consider them pretty similar players, at least with the way they play. Um, he was able to get a couple first downs, but he didn't pop any big ones. And I think West Virginia's strength up front and then their speed at linebacker really help them in that regard how do you assess the growth of uh, of Jarrett Dagey came in late last year and seemed to give this team a spark I know as you said it's just been such an unusual year it's kind of hard to assess guys and in, in, in teams in some ways but do, do you feel like the, the progress is is getting there and he's sort of made a jump from last year to this year yeah I really do um, at the starting of the year I could have argued not so much but he's playing his best football in a West Virginia uniform over the last couple of weeks. He's kind of doing exactly what they want to do. Decisive decisions, you know, getting the football out, kind of getting the football to where his guys can make plays and not turning the ball over. If you can do those things, you can have success. Obviously, you'd like to see, you know, have a little bit more success in the red zone than they had last week. But a couple of those were there. You know, guys just dropped passes in the end zone. So if he plays efficient football, West Virginia's offense is a completely different animal. And you, t- you tag that along with their defense, which is one of the best in the country right now. It's, it's a pretty scary outfit. So gut feeling, Keenan, this is uh, West Virginia. I'm looking at the line right now. They're a three-point favorite at home. Um, I, I want to ask you to pick against the spread, but how do you think this thing plays out on, uh, on Saturday morning? I, th- I think it's harder with Letty's situation just because he's been such an engine to their offense. I don't think it's necessarily a situation where if he doesn't play, West Virginia loses, but I do think it makes it a lot harder with what TCU does. West Virginia always has to seem like they fight for every yard, every first down, everything they get against Gary Patterson's defense. I don't think that's going to be any different this year. I do think the fact West Virginia is at home. Now, I know these teams always seem like they beat each other on the road, 
But I do think the fact West Virginia is at home uh, is going to help them here, and they'll probably squeak out another close one. But you go down the list, I think this is going to be another game for West Virginia. It's going to come down to that final four minutes. And the question here is, are they ready to grow up and take that game, or will they lose another close one? Yeah, these these two teams love to play one-score football games, so I'm sure it'll be a, a fun matchup for the fans, probably some anxious moments for both teams. Well, hey, Keenan, I appreciate the time, man. Again, you can find him at Rivals Keenan. He's a great follow um, this week and, and any week on, on Big 12 football and West Virginia football. I appreciate you joining me, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Keenan for coming on the pod. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. We'll come back and wrap things up. Final segment coming up on Locked on Horn Frogs. Locked on Horn Frogs final segment. Uh, again, appreciate you listening today. It's a Thursday. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, please tell someone you know. Um, send it to a friend. Send it to your family. Send it to a cousin. Whoever you think might be interested in TCU football and basketball and just TCU sports in general. Uh, I'd love it if you let them know about the pod and give them a chance to check it out as well. I want to give you a few news notes before we get out of here. The first thing is uh, Drew Davidson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram who covers the Frogs does a nice job covering the team. He put out today that sources are indicating to him that J.D. Spielman is going to miss the rest of the season with an injury. So it's unfortunate. It's another uh, player that goes down. Um, you know, He joins Wes Harris, Noah Daniels. As guys that are suffering season-ending injuries, Corey Bethley is in that camp. Still don't really know exactly what's going on with Keon Stewart, but I, I doubt he plays in the West Virginia game, just given the lack of update that we've gotten from him um, since he went down a couple weeks ago. I don't want to sound flippant about it. I mean, the, the Spielman loss is significant, and I think it's just another instance where you feel – bad about the missed potential there because he was so good at Nebraska and you felt like he was someone that could come in and make an immediate impact I know he has NFL aspirations his father Rick is the GM for the Vikings and he thought this would give him an opportunity to to put some more good film together to send to NFL teams but the bottom line is I mean they didn't play him much they weren't using him much for whatever reason in the passing game and he was a good punt returner but Darius Davis has really taken that role and run with it. So uh, I feel bad for him. I, I mean, it, it's terrible he's going to miss the rest of the year, and I, I wish him a, a quick recovery. I'm not sure how much it affects what they're doing on the field. And that's nothing against J.D. Spielman. It, it's just simply they weren't really using him a whole lot in the offense. I wish they would have. I, I wish the offensive staff would have made it more of a point to get him the football because – you saw it in Nebraska. I mean, he was doing special things when he had the ball in his hands, but it, it just didn't click here. So I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he, he came here, thought this was going to be a really good opportunity. From all indications, he's been a fantastic teammate. He's really adjusted to the, the system here well and has bought in, and uh, it just hasn't worked out. As, this is according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, of course, nothing official from TCU that I've seen, but it appears he's going to miss the rest of the year. And you wondered when that uh, – she would sort of drop because it's just been a week-to-week thing and he kept missing games, didn't really get any sort of update about how he was doing. So felt like that was almost inevitable, but he's he's down for the year. And also I saw this, uh, this TCU basketball note. Now one thing about me that you'll learn and I hope you'll appreciate, I'm not going to come on this podcast and BS you. Like if I don't know about something, I'm gonna try, I'm, I'll try to pass along news. 
but I'm not going to act like I know a ton about what's going on. I don't follow basketball recruiting super closely. I mean, I, I see who the Frogs sign, and I'll look up their 247 profile, but I am not, like, super plugged into that world. Um, today, and I looked multiple places trying to find a pronunciation guide and, and came up empty, so I'm going to do my best here. Suleiman Dumbaya. Suleiman Dumbaya is a seven-foot center. He's playing at Navarro Junior College right now, and he's going to be part of the 2021 class, but he actually signed his letter of intent for TCU men's basketball today. So he is um, signed, and he'll be ready to go next season. He is the uh, number one JUCO player in the state of Texas. He's the number four JUCO player, um, according to the 247 composite rankings in the country. Obviously, that size jumps off the page. He's a legit seven-foot tall. I was looking at some stats. He, he played at Navarro last year as a freshman, and that's Region 4 Juco ball. Uh, he averaged 10 points a game, um, shot 56% from the field, had seven rebounds a game, and played in, in 30 games last season. So he was a focal point of what they were doing. I imagine he's going to get um, – a lot of chances this year to build on that as well. But Suleiman Dumbaya is uh, signed to the TCU men's basketball team, and he's part of the 2021 class. I watched some highlights today. I mean, he looks like an exciting player. Obviously, that size is something you can't replicate. Um, he can finish well in the post. He's a good rim protector. And they're going to need somebody uh, to, to come in here and make a huge impact. Um, in the coming season. So a good pickup for, for Jamie Dixon, that squad. And I'm excited to see this team. I mean, again, expectations are not high for them, but I feel like they've been able, even when um, not much is expected them, not much is expected of them under Jamie Dixon, to find a way to be competitive and make things happen. And you saw that last year. Losing Desmond Baines, huge. I really don't know who comes in and uh, takes over some of that scoring um, that that he left, you know, Kevin Samuel. I'm excited about his development as a big man. P.J. Fuller showed some flashes last year as a freshman. He's explosive and can get to the rim. Uh, R.J. Nimhard is a good player, and I'm ready to see him uh, go at it for another year with an offseason where he sort of developed. And they do have some exciting freshmen. I mean, Mike Miles from Lancaster is a great player. Eddie Lampkin, Jr., from Katy is a, is a big body in the middle, 6'11", 300 pounds. So you got some some good players that are coming in. You have sort of a core from the last couple of years, and I think this is going to be a fun team um, to just see how they develop. And you hope the, the shortened offseason doesn't really hurt them. But Solomon Dabaya, he won't be on the court this year, but looks to be on the court next year. A big pickup for TCU basketball. Um, for the 2021 class. Thank you to Keenan Cummings for joining me today. I appreciate his work. Again, you can follow him at Rivals Keenan on Twitter. Tomorrow, uh, one more show on a Friday before we get that West Virginia game in action. So I'll, I'll give you some keys to the game. We'll also look at the Big 12 slate. Um, not many games this weekend, but uh, I did want to talk about tomorrow as well. The Big 12 has done a really nice job. You know, we're seeing all these postponements in the SEC this week. The Big 12 in conference play has done a really nice job. So hats off to the coaches and players for finding ways to get these games in. But we'll have one more preview of the West Virginia game tomorrow. Um, and that will be on the Locked On Horned Frogs podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day.